Brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. We are on episode five. Uh, it's been a crazy, been a crazy week, crazy weekend. A lot of fun though. Did some family time. Um, I wound up um, putting a bunch of mattresses down a flight of stairs, like any good father should, and uh, letting my kids slide down said mattresses and flight of stairs in a sleeping bag. So it was a good weekend, a solid, successful family weekend. Um, sorry again for getting the, uh, the podcast is up a little bit late. Um, had some things I had to take care of. Um, I'm sitting here after a, a nice chest workout. It's Monday uh, evening. Got a good chest workout in, did some bench press and stuff. Feeling pretty good, feeling alive. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to uh, just record in here today. So hopefully the audio sounds good. Uh, if not, I guess we'll have to deal with it for for uh, for this round. <laughs> but I promise you, I will do what I can in post. So today, I I have something I wanted to cover, and it's 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 been on my mind for a number of years. Um, it's something that I feel that I need to cover ASAP. You know, I was looking at some things that I wanted to talk about. Um, there's some fun, some fun topics down the pipe. Uh, I'll be probably doing a, you know, a little bit of a collaboration with my pop. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit today. I'm excited about that. Uh, we we have some fun things planned, some fun subjects, some good solid subjects planned. But for today, I thought that we could talk a little bit about uh, preparation. And I think the title of this podcast is going to be Prepare Now. Now, when I say that, obviously there is some dualism here. There's some dual meaning, right? We need to be prepared in every aspect that we can think of, uh, brothers and sisters. We, we, need to, we need to step back and take a serious look at where we are in the history of humanity. If you read especially the Doctrine and Covenants, you will see that the Lord repeatedly will say that He is nigh even at the doors. You know, He'll say uh, phrases like, and I come quickly, I come speedily, right? I'm even at the doors. Like, this is... This is not to be taken lightly. And even if we do, you know, obviously we, a, lot of, a lot of things that I hear, a lot of, a lot of the uh, phrases that I hear, especially recently as well, they've been looking for Christ to come again for a long time. And it's like, number one, whenever we hear people say the second coming, quote unquote, right, what are we talking about? And I think I've mentioned this before, but let's recap real quick. Because the second coming, are you talking about when, when Christ comes and, and you know, there's the great and dreadful day? Because that is, you know, that, that's the final time that he comes that, you know, in his glory and stuff like that and rescues the Jews and splits the, the Mount of Olivet when he touches his foot down uh, on the Mount Olivet and stuff like that. And we, as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints right now, 
We are being purified. We are being sifted right now. The membership is being sifted. I don't know if that's news to you or not, but you can see it happening, right? You can see that there are cultural, what I like to call cultural Mormons, that are being sifted out right now. And those that are left are true disciples and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is not just a way of life to us, right? This is, this is life. This is real. This isn't just a nice way to live. This is real. There is actually a Savior and is, you know, what we would call him is Jesus Christ, right? Yehoshua, if you're, uh, if you're you know, speaking Hebrew. Um, I think that it's important to understand that there are three separate times that Christ is going to come. The first time he comes will be at Adam on Diamond where we have all of the prophets of the major dispensations there, they all report back to Michael, or Adam, uh, the Ancient of Days, and Adam then reports back to the great Jehovah, to Jesus Christ, right? That will be the first time that he makes an appearance uh, in that official capacity, right? Where he will be crowned as king and, and anointed as king. Uh, the second time will be after Zion has been redeemed. Uh, it'll be after the lost ten tribes have returned. And those of us who are called upon, and those of us who are worthy and have who, who have endured well and have been sifted on the right side of Christ, we will, be, uh, we will have taken part in the building of the, the, the New Jerusalem in Jackson County, Missouri. And... He will, he will come to New Jerusalem and he will accept the temple that has been freshly built and dedicated, right? He will accept that temple. That will be the second appearance. The third appearance is, I think, what a lot of people talk about, the second coming, right? Where, where there is a cleansing of the earth by fire, where the, the wicked are purged and stuff like that, right? where he rescues the Jews who are on the brink of annihilation. Uh, the, the two prophets have been killed in the streets, right? That, I think, is what a lot of people refer to. But I just want to stress that because a lot of us don't understand that. And I think that that is important to understand given the times that we are in. Uh, let's talk a little bit about preparing for the days of tribulation. I, I found a couple different talks. I found some different things. Um, one of the best ones, I think. See, what I'm noticing is that years ago, they were a lot more out in the open, a lot more loud about it. The more the years have gone on, the more subtle and the more parable-like the messages have become. Uh, it has turned into a very... A very uh, if you have ears to hear scenario, right? Um, I was recently talking to somebody online and they said, you know, and I think I've told this story before. I'm going to recap it though, because I, I feel that it's important. 
He said, you know, President Nelson, he hasn't really prophesied or said anything significant like a, a prophet of God should, like, like an oracle should of God. And I thought, oh my gosh, it blew my mind. And so I cited to him a couple different things. I was like, are you kidding me? He, when he was talking to the, the young women, and or excuse me, the, the Relief Society during one of the, the general conference sessions for the Relief Society, he talked about how they and their daughters were going to be a part of the group that would welcome in the city of New Jerusalem with Enoch. Like we're, we're talking about Enoch and the New Jerusalem, or excuse me, the you know, there's their city of Zion, right? And how our new Jerusalem would meet them. Like, is that not incredibly prophetic? How about when, when he talked about how we will see with our eyes what prophets and what Nephi saw only in vision, that we would witness live what Nephi saw in vision, right? I mean, there's some huge stuff here. His, his message, going from an apostle to a prophet, right? Uh, back in 2014, uh, President Thomas S. Monson said, you know, uh, there isn't much time to prepare. You know, he, he's like, look, it's, the, the, the time to prepare is, is getting to where we, we, need, to, we need to hurry. You know, we're, we're at that point where we need to hurry. And under President Nelson, the message has changed to time is running out. We're about out of time. There's been a shift, and there's more urgency in the message now. It's in that spirit that I wanted to talk about preparation. So let me, um, let me get into this here with Ezra Taft Benson from October 1980. Okay, This is General Conference, October 1980. It's called, the talk is called Prepare for the Days of Tribulation. Um, just as a, as a precursor, I'm going to define, according to Merriam-Webster, uh, the dictionary, what a tribulation is. Uh, tribulation, a cause of great trouble or suffering. Uh, it can also mean a state of great trouble or suffering. Okay? We do, know, we do know that the Lord has decreed global calamities for the future and has warned and forewarned us to be prepared. For this reason, the brethren have repeatedly stressed a back-to-basics program for temporal and spiritual welfare. Let me pause there. Notice that he said temporal and spiritual. Okay, we, we can't have one without the other. Today I emphasize a most basic principle, home production and storage. Have you ever paused to realize what would happen to your community or nation if transportation were paralyzed? Or if we had a war or depression? How would you and your neighbors obtain food? How long would the corner grocery store or supermarket sustain the needs of the community? Let me pause again. This could have been said yesterday or today. This is a timeless paragraph right here. And this was said in 1980s before... I was around, right? Think about current events, brothers and sisters. We have never been closer to World War III than we are right now. Now, this whole Russia-Ukraine thing could turn out to be a big nothing burger. You know, let's, let's hope that we have some time. <laughs> I would like some extra time, you know. 
I don't know that we'll ever uh, feel fully prepared, but we, if we ignore now the danger that we are in, the da- and it's been that doomsday clock, you know what I mean? It's, it keeps getting closer to midnight. As the years go on, we're hearing more wars, more rumors of wars, and that those have always been around. But it, we're looking at world conflict now, worldwide conflict, right? Which we've seen twice before. It's, it's very interesting to me, especially with not just the conflict side of things, but the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, right? Now, this isn't meant to be political, okay? I'm not, I'm not getting political on you here. But the COVID-19 thing, you know, it happened at a point where President Nelson came out in 2020 and said, we are at a hinge point. Look at how many people never came back to church after they opened up the churches again. How many people did we lose? You know what I mean? How, how many members of the church just decided, I'm not coming back. I like staying home. You know, and I'll admit, I, I'm a hermit. I liked it. I didn't mind it. Staying home is okay with me. Um, but that's that's not what we're about. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We need to be fellowshipping in any way that we can, right? Look at um, look at all the protests. Look at the COVID nineteen. Look at all this all this stuff that has compounded problems, right? It has taken the the global economy and the global food production, trade, market, what have you, and we got some real problems here. And so I would ask you a question, are we about to experience this? Are we about to experience the local Walmart, the local Kroger, the local whatever you got, you know, in, in your community, what if that sucker runs out of food? Think about that. Let that sink in a minute. Okay, I'm going to ask you another question. Is your ear to the ground? Or are you asleep? I get that these are, these are tough subjects. These are stressful subjects, and I've, I've personally talked uh, and mentioned things like this, and I, I try not to be a, a gloom and doomer, but it's funny because, you know, a lot of people have labeled me as that when I say, hey, you know, this and this and this is going on, you know, maybe uh, make sure that you got some food. Just, just stock up a little bit extra, you know. It's funny how, how you can be met with negativity from saying that. I've had people who, who legit don't want to hear that because it stresses them out. And I say, okay, and I don't bug them again about it. And there's a certain group of people who I will tell. You know, I'll say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's, here's, I have my ear to the ground. Here's what's going on, you know. Now, you can't let it take over your life, but we should be doing this anyway, right? We're supposed to be prepared anyway. Okay, let me get back on here to the road to Damascus. Going back to the talk, Ezra Taft Benson's talk. 
From the standpoint of food production, storage, handling, and the Lord's counsel, wheat should have high priority. There is more sal- Here's a quote. There is more salvation and security in wheat, said Orson Hyde years ago, than in all the political schemes of the world. That's pretty profound. Water, of course, is essential. Other basics could include honey or sugar, legumes, milk, products or substitutes, and salt, or its equivalent. The revelation to produce and store food may be as essential to our temporal welfare today as boarding the ark was to the people in the days of Noah. We all know what happened to the people in the days of Noah, right? Out of the entire earth's population, eight people made it out. Because <laughs> they listened. Okay? This is, this is a big deal. And I wanted to do this subject because I personally believe that time is almost up. And you will either have oil in your lamp or you won't. Now, we we don't know what's going to happen. And I have often heard some people say some pretty disturbing things when I have talked about this to people. One of those things is this. Say, well, I know that there's members of the church who have prepared, and I, I bet they'll share with me. I'm going to post this talk in the link below in the description box. Please listen to it or read it. There is a sharp rebuke for that type of uh, thought, for that type of thinking, that thought process. You know, it's, it's funny, and I'm going to take a side tangent here. Every uh, man or father figure in my life who has been someone that I have looked up to has always preached to me to be a good provider, to be responsible. And that responsibility is sacred. And the scriptures are full, absolutely chock full of examples and counsel, prophetic, apostolic, right? There's a lot to do with with being, being a good provider and a good man and being responsible for your family and for the temporal welfare as well as the spiritual welfare of your family. And that doesn't just go to men, that goes to women as well. But I think that us dudes really need to take that and run with it, right? We need to make sure that we have done what we are supposed to do and what we can do to provide for the the temporal and spiritual welfare of our family. Okay, continuing on here. I speak with a feeling of great urgency. I have seen what the days of tribulation can do to people. I have seen hunger stalk the streets of Europe. I have witnessed the appalling 
emaciated shadows of human figures. I have seen women and children scavenge army garbage dumps for scraps of food. Those scenes and nameless faces cannot be erased from my memory. It's actually, it's interesting if you go back and you listen to the talk. He talks about how he was assigned to go to Europe after World War II. And how those who were within the cities, they, they didn't have any food. So they took anything of value that they had in their houses, in their possession, and they went to the countryside and they would barter for food. They'd get on the train, they'd go to the countryside, and they would barter whatever they could and come back with, with pigs, chickens, right? Uh, it's funny because uh, <laughs> President Ezra Taft Benson, he says, you know, that they came back with all, all sorts of brick and brack and stuff like that. And it was a racket, you know, when they'd come back on the train. And they were doing it so that they could survive. It was survival. They didn't have a choice. That, that type of stuff, that kind of runs a chill down Alan's spine. And I hope it does you. This isn't meant to scare. This isn't, you know, if you're not prepared, you're in luck because you can go to Walmart tomorrow and you can get some basic supplies, okay? Now, the council has always been, look, don't be stupid. Don't go and rack up a bunch of credit card debt to get a bunch of food storage, okay? We're not at that point. What my counsel would be, this is Alan, okay? I would get you something. Start working on it now and budget it out. Even if you have to take a little bit out of savings, I would do that now. And I would do it on the down low. Don't make a big deal about it, okay? Just start doing it now. Get you some white rice that has like the shelf life of a rock if you if you just make sure it doesn't get wet, right? Keep it dry, keep it dark. Get you some beans, some basic stuff. Rice and beans. You know what I mean? Get you some wheat, get you some oats, something. And start working on it. Just start... Start buying it now and, and, and look up on YouTube how to store that stuff. It's not hard. Okay, this is, we're, we're at the point now where we need to get serious here. Because, have you ever been hungry? Have you, have you ever been hungry? I mean hungry. I'm not talking about like you skipped a meal. I'm talking about hungry. I uh, I was in the military, and there was, like, you know, in, in basic training, there was a, a time towards the end there, our drill sergeant, he was a, an army ranger, and we were asking him about ranger training and stuff, and he was like, do you want a taste of it? Do you want a little taste of ranger training? We said, yeah, sure, heck yeah, we're, we're young and stupid, why not? So... We basically did sleep deprivation and food deprivation. And, you know, I'm sure it was bending the rules a little bit. Probably wasn't supposed to do it, but he gave us a little taste of it. And it was only for about a day where we didn't really have any food and we didn't get a lot of sleep. And any of you who have served, 
know that you are you are burning some calories during training. You are burning calories. You come back in the best shape of your life, right? I have never been so hungry in my entire life. I was starving the next day. I was I was ravenously hungry. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a three days, four days without a meal. And I don't want to know what that's like. You can have it. I don't want it. Okay, that's why I have, I have chosen to store food. And sadly, that has been a... That has been something that not a lot of people of my generation, I'm 36 years old, a lot of us haven't taken that advice. And if you go back to Elder Bednar, um, just right after the pandemic hit, you know, he talks about it and he's like, guys, just because we haven't hammered that home the last couple of years, that doesn't mean that that advice is still not fully in force. That's full, it's, it's there. Please, can, you know, get ready, get prepared. That COVID-19 thing, I think that was a wake-up call, guys. I think that was a, hey, one, one last call here. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here, right? <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm belaboring the point here, but I want you guys to understand where we're at. And I got some other uh, data points here that I want you to, to listen and understand, okay? Um, going to the, the church newsroom, okay? This is October 17th of 2020. Uh, Sister Eubank at the G20 Interfaith Forum Address entitled Faith and Food, okay? Listen to, to this. Quote, double the number of people in 2020 are facing acute food insecurity up from 2019. Okay, now you might be saying, well, that might be just for that year, right? Okay, listen to this, another, another quote. Without being too alarmist, if we do not address this crisis in a coordinated manner, it is projected to grow to be amongst the worst famines in human history. I hope that that uh, woke you up a little bit. Okay. Now, let's go to Armstrong Economics. Quote, the next famine will be in 2022. According to these guys. What, what year is it again? Okay. Okay. We are currently, this is uh, Armstrong Economics again, we are currently reducing the food supply at a time when we should be stockpiling it. <sighs> are you aware that China has bought up all of uh, 2021, they bought up all the like a bunch of the 2021 crops, wheat and corn and stuff like that, and they also bought up a lot of the 2022 crops as well in advance, which has never been done before. A lot of our producers. Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. 
Okay, here's a question for you. How is the Russian invasion of Ukraine going to affect food supply and prices? Mind you, this is at a time, as I have just stated here, as we've just read, this is at a time when our, because of the pandemic, because of other issues as well that go along with that from the from the um, protests and stuff like that and the outright riots, the um, communist color revolution riots that took place as well. Okay. B a very bad deal. Very bad deal. Very wicked stuff going on. All, that, all of these things have compounded into a problem. Okay, where we say, look, Sister Eubanks is like, guys, if we don't address this and if we don't, if we don't coordinate on this, this is going to be amongst the worst famines in human history. We're, we're in the middle of it now, guys. This is like, this is it. You ever wonder why your food prices are going up? Okay, now going back to the Russia invasion of Ukraine, you know that Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, right? They produce a ton of food, of wheat. Okay? There was a bunch of barges that were carrying wheat in that area, in the ocean, okay? And they got hit with projectiles. They had to divert. Now, they didn't sink, luckily, but they could not get to port. They had to divert. They were filled with food, with, with uh, wheat and stuff like that. We keep having these problems year after year with our food supply, and it's compounding. It's building. It's like a cancer. Okay? And it's just, it's growing. It's growing. It's growing. It's not getting any better. Okay? It takes about two years after you have a major supply disruption. It takes about two years before you uh, seriously feel the effects of it, right? We're about at that time now just from the pandemic, let alone all the other stuff that's happening and that will happen in the future. Okay. Tribulation is going to come no matter what. That's my next bullet point that I have here. Tribulation is going to come no matter what. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here. I'm trying to bring you some facts, some harsh reality, in hopes that you can prepare now as best as you can. Okay, here's another quote. Too often we bask in our comfortable complacency and rationalize that the ravages of war, economic disaster, famine, and earthquake cannot happen here. Those who believe this are either not acquainted with the revelations of the Lord, or they do not believe them. Those who smugly think these calamities will not happen, that they somehow will be set aside because of the righteous of the saints, are deceived and will rue the day they harbored such a delusion. The Lord has warned and forewarned us against a day of great tribulation and given us counsel through his servants on how we can be prepared for these difficult times. Have we heeded his counsel? I'd like to point out, how did he give that counsel? Through his servants. Okay? 
There's that church administration. There's that foundation again. You see why Satan wants to get you away from them? It's not just spiritual. There's some temporal salvation here as well. And there's some temporal consequences. Okay. I'm going to read another quote here. These quotes are just powerful. I cannot forget the... Okay, now, now this here, let me, let me, before I read it. Though that this is somewhat of a... Of a time when we should let... You know, remember that guard dog? We should be, we should be on alert now. We should be up on all fours. We're at that point. We at least need to be up. Sitting up with our ears perked up. And zoned in on the threat, right? Okay, we need to be saints. This is the time for us to remember who we are. We're Christians, right? Under the banner of, of the great Jehovah. We are, we are Christians first and foremost. Now listen to this. I cannot forget the French saints who, unable to obtain bread, used potato peelings for the emblems of the sacrament. Nor will I ever forget the faith of the Dutch saints who accepted our suggestion to grow potatoes to alleviate their own starving condition and then sent a portion of their first harvest to the German people who had been their bitter enemies. Okay, the following year they sent them the entire harvest. The annals of church history have seldom recorded a more Christ-like act of love and compassion. That's pretty dang powerful. Now remember, this is that right after World War II. People didn't really like Germany very much. Okay, and some of these countries were were straight up ravaged by 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 the Third Reich, right? Yet look what they did. We cannot forget who we are. We are saints. We are disciples of Jesus Christ, right? The great Jehovah. It is my admonition that we beware of slipping into hatred. It's easy to do. If you've been watching the news, how do you feel about Russia right now? How do you feel about Russia? This is a gut check moment, okay? Have you had some some thoughts about Russia where you're like, man, it's time for us to go in and kick some butt. It's time for us to go show those Russians, you know, no, no. There are Russian saints, brothers and sisters. I I hope that nobody judges me as an American by my government. I hope that they don't judge me by my government. Especially now. <laughs> okay? But I, I really do. I hope that, that I'm not judged by my government. And we, we need to remember those are our brothers and sisters. Those Russian members are our brothers and sisters. And those Ukrainian members 
are our brothers and sisters, okay? It doesn't matter. You come across any one of those guys and they need help, you help them. You help them. You give them water. You give them food. Whatever, whatever you got to do, you help them. Because they're, they're our brothers and sisters and we are Christians. We put aside our hatred, right? Like I said, I served in the military. How do I word this? How do I word this? There was a group of people that we would sing cadences about. Okay, Now, I, I joined up in about 2002. Okay, so this will be easy, an easy puzzle to put, to, to put together. There's a group of people that we sing cadences about and stuff like that and that we did not think much of, okay? And it took me a while to really even be able to come back from that in my heart. To not think of them as... as ironically godless animals, right? We cannot allow hate to enter our hearts, going into and facing what we're about to face. Got to be prepared for that too. Okay, now is, now is the time to prepare, and we're about ready to run out of time. I've completely believe that. Another quote, we encourage you to be more self-reliant, so that as the Lord has declared, notwithstanding the tribulation which shall descend upon you, the church may stand independent above all other creatures beneath the celestial world. That's DNC 78.14. The Lord wants us to be independent and self-reliant because these will be the days of tribulation. This was said in 1980, by the way. He has warned and forewarned us of the eventuality. President Brigham Young said, If you are without bread, how much wisdom can you boast? And of what real utility are your talents? If you cannot proc procure for yourself and save against a day of scarcity these substances designed to sustain your natural lives. It's really our duty. It's our duty to prepare. And it's funny because we're really amongst the first generation or two that hasn't lived that way. Okay, and, and again, I'm not up on my ramiumptum here. I have food storage, and I have a lot of it, because I, I've taken this very seriously. I still have anxiety, uh, because I'm not good at producing food, and I don't have a big yard. But as President Nelson said, the Lord loves effort. So something that I have done, is I planted uh, Jerusalem artichokes or sunchokes in my yard. I dug up a bunch of grass. It doesn't even. It does not look very good, 
but I am growing Jerusalem artichokes and have been for the past uh, two years. And the first year I did it was a disaster. <laughs> Not because the sunchokes didn't grow, but because I had no idea what I was doing. Okay? This second year, we knew what to do with our harvest. And we learned how to pickle. So I now have a bunch of bottles of pickled sunchokes in my pantry. And they are absolutely delicious. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I will never, ever not pickle them because they are, they are amazing. They taste really good. But what's cool about it is that, you know, as you bite into that, as you eat that, it's like this was in the ground. I grew this. And we've lost that as a people. There's a connection there with the soil, right? Where we are producing our own food. We have good nutrients in our food that way, you know. And, and I think that we are going to have to we have to do something, brothers and sisters. We have to do what we can. If we want the Lord to meet us halfway and to overcome our weaknesses and hold us in the hollow of his hand, we have to do our part. So, Alan has planted Jerusalem artichokes. And I, I'm growing uh, golden wax beans. And I'm going to try my hand at doing some raspberries and some potatoes this year as well. I'm going I'm to do what I can with what I have. You know, I've stored up as much as I can. I probably have enough for probably four or five years. My goal is seven. I want like two years, one year. That's, that's not for me. I'm going for more. Um, fully expecting that either the bishop or state president or someone in authority is going to probably ask for all of us to turn in our food storage and maybe live law consecration. I don't know. I, I have no idea. This is me speculating. I don't know. But I, am, I have to be willing and, and able to have the faith to do that, right? So I'm storing up extra. Trying to do everything that I can so that I can not just ask for miracles, but that I can reasonably expect them. Not, and that's not in a boastful way. That is in a confident that I have done everything that I can. I have left it all on the field. Jesus take the will scenario, right? It's also the reason... Um, see, I have a son who's type 1 diabetic. Any of you who are familiar with that, that's not the one. Type 1 and type 2, right? Type 1, you are insulin dependent. Your pancreas doesn't work. Type 2, you can manage with diet. Type 1, you have to have insulin or you die. Okay? For a long time, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I have no power. That, medical, that medicine is so expensive that there's just no way that I can store it, and it doesn't even last that long. It lasts like a, a year tops in the fridge, unopened. Okay, Once you open it, it lasts about 30 days. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, help me to find a solution, please. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be prepared. And guess what? He opened up a way for me. And now, like, I'm able to store uh, insulin 
like the old insulin from 1990s. The stuff that my buddies used to use back in, in grade school, right? And, uh, and uh, middle school. That stuff is way cheaper. Way cheaper. And I found a conversion chart and stuff like that by someone who was in the same boat. And uh, I, have labeled, I have labeled that medicine as end-of-days insulin. Okay? That is extreme emergency, life and death. There's nothing else. We can use this. I have that stored. Okay? And I'm storing up what I can. I'm, the, the point is that I'm driving home is, here is that the Lord loves effort and we have to do our part if we want to expect miracles. And I'm banking on miracles. I'm preparing like it all is on me, but I'm hoping that the Lord steps in. Okay, I'm going to go back here. A City Upon a Hill by Gordon B. Hinckley. Now, President Hinckley is quoting here. This quote has been uh, quoted a few times. This is just one of the more recent ones that I happen to choose. I could have chosen any one of them. Jay Golden Kimball, even, uh, he quotes his uh, relative here. I believe his father, Heber C. Kimball. President, uh, President Hinckley is quoting him right now. In 1856... Or sorry, this is from the Enzyme of July 1990, called A City Upon a Hill, Gordon B. Hinckley. In 1856, when the Latter-day Saints were largely alone in the western valleys, some people thought we were safe from the ways of the world. To such talk, President Heber C. Kimball of the First Presidency responded, Quote, I say unto you, my brethren, the time is coming when we will be mixed up in these now peaceful valleys to the extent that it will be difficult to tell the face of a saint from the face of an enemy to the people of God. Then, brethren, he went on, look out for the great sieve, for there will be a great sifting time, and many will fall. For I say unto you, there is a test, a test, a test is coming. And who will be able to stand? I do not precisely know the nature of that test, this is Gordon B. Hinckley. But I am inclined to think that the time is here, and that the test lies in our capacity to live the gospel rather than adopt the ways of the world. I think we see that happening a lot at BYU, don't we? I think we see that happening a lot to any of our students that we send to to university. Okay? They come back with a lot of crazy ideas, don't they? We can maintain, going back to the quote, we can maintain the integrity of our families if we will follow the counsel of our leaders. Look at that. They're hammering that, aren't they? The foundation, Second Thessalonians. As we do so, those about us will observe with respect and be led to inquire how it is done. I know that this is a heavy topic, guys. And I'm not trying to, to scare. I'm, I'm really not. I'm not trying to instill fear at all. Um, 
On the contrary, I, I'm trying to instill some hope in that I can go right now and drive down to Walmart and I can get a bunch of bags of rice and beans. And that is my advice to you. Okay, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't want to eat that. Okay, let's, let's be smart about this here. Okay, I'm trying to be nice in how I talk about this. Because that kind of talk frustrates me to no end. Number one, do you want to eat air? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're talking about bang for buck scenario here. You want the best bang for your buck? Get some rice and beans. Get some basic stuff. If you don't know how to cook it, get on YouTube and learn. Okay? This is life-saving stuff. Calories. Okay, we're all going to stand to lose a few pounds in, in Armageddon. That's okay. You know what I mean? We're, we're going to be okay. It's like I tell my kids. It's like, look, I can promise you one thing. If there is ever a food shortage for the next couple of years, you will have a full belly. You may not like what you're eating, but your stomach will be full and you won't be hungry. <laughs> You might have some cravings, okay? You might you might be craving a, a donut or something like that, but you will have a full stomach. So get you some rice and beans. Go out, go down to Costco. Get some rice and beans. Okay? Get some wheat. Okay, here in Utah. They got Lehigh Roller Mills wheat, okay, or Augustine Farms. You got those big old wheat buckets. Get you some wheat. Now, there is another little trick that you can do. And I'm not advising you to do this. I'm not a doctor. I am not a scientist, okay? You, this is something that I have, I have heard that you can do. I may or may not have done it myself, okay? If you feel that, that the time is really drawing nigh, like I do, if you feel that you need to get what you can quickly, if you go to a, a mill, if you have a mill that is close to you where they sell uh, feed wheat or feed barley or feed dent corn, okay, stuff like that, then you can go and you can get your own 55-gallon barrel or you can get your own 5-gallon buckets and you can go there and they will fill them up with, with extraordinarily cheap wheat. It's a fraction of the cost, okay? Now, some people, that's not appetizing because you will find little bits and pieces of grasshopper and stuff in them and little bits and pieces of the, of the wheat plant. It doesn't go through the, the cleaning, uh, the later stage cleaning processes that our current, uh, like our people wheat does, right? But it's, it's still wheat. Give it a good washing before you eat it and mark it as emergency, right? If you do that and you get some Mylar bags with a hot clothes iron, if, you, if people still have those, I do, for that purpose actually, 
funny enough, for sealing up Mylar bags, okay? Look it up on YouTube. You can store up a ton of wheat very quickly. Turn on some uh, some general conference or, or whatever show you want to watch, okay? Turn on the office if you have to, whatever you got to do. Make a night of it, you and your spouse, or you and whoever, okay? You and your brother, you and your sister. And get you some five-gallon buckets, get you some Mylar bags, some five-gallon Mylar bags off of uh, Amazon. Get you, get you that hot iron, okay? Make sure your kids aren't around. And make a night of it. Get some oxygen absorbers. Seal it up. You can get a ton of food fast for a fraction of the cost. You can have some wheat. And any bugs that are that are inside will die from the oxygen absorbers. And when you grind it up, you'll have some extra protein anyway. Okay? These are things. If there is a will, there is a way. And if you put forth the effort, the Lord will meet you halfway. Okay? It's, it's, it's just one, it's one of those things, and it's that simple. We still have time. We can still do this, guys. Again, I'm not advocating that. It is, it is something I'm throwing out there. You can choose to do it or not. It's up to you. I may or may not have done that myself and have a couple thousand pounds of, of that you know, type of thing in storage. But I, I, I'm, with anxiety, I share this information with you. And I'm going to also post in the description um, description box a uh, a link to oh, I can't remember the sister's name, but she did a presentation on Latter Day Media, and it, it a lot you know she she covers a lot of the same information. Uh, you know, something that obviously when you're talking about preparation, you're going to be talking food storage and stuff, but she really paints a pretty crazy picture about where we're at and that was a year or two ago so we're, we're further along down the line and like i say i don't know that we have a lot of time to get prepared so don't freak out okay do things in wisdom and order but i hope that that this has lit a fire under your saddle a little bit and I hope it's been somewhat of a reality check. As we adhere to the counsel of the prophet, of the twelve apostles, as we open our ears, and as we have ears to hear and eyes to see, as we take seriously the counsel of the mouthpiece, of the keys, ultimately uh, the counsel of Christ himself, we can be worthy of his aid. You know, you look through the scriptures and you see when people, when a nation, when a group, when they do their part, the Lord will part the Red Sea for you. He absolutely will part the Red Sea for you. He will, he will fight your battles. 
He will provide manna for you when you do your part. We have to do our part. We have to be prepared and we have to be responsible for our families. I love you guys. I care about you. And I want to see you at the feet of Christ as we are on our knees. Hopefully at New Jerusalem. After we have uh, built the temple. After we have redeemed Zion and we are there with our brethren. Our lost brethren of the ten tribes. Who are supposed to come back. I want to see you there. I want to, whether it's on this side of the veil or the other, you know. I want to be able to say that I did all I could for my family and that I prepared the best that I could and I followed the advice of the brethren. And that I raised my voice in, in, in warning to others as well, to my brothers and sisters, to you. Let us be unified in the faith. Let us be unified in our preparation. Let us be Christians. Let us be willing to share. Let us be willing to do everything that we can so that we can expect with confidence and faith miracles from the great Jehovah. Jesus Christ and it is in his name that I say these things and I will close this in the name of Jesus Christ my Lord and my master amen